dark I dive in Hope comes and stops us in our tracks Bravely we prove in our striving Trudging together each day Where there's a will, there's a way Hello everyone and welcome to Raw Recovery. It is Tuesday and time to get our recovery on. Today's Raw Recovery with Ryan. Ryan's a, Ryan, I met um, through my home group, actually. Um, we have Tuesday speakers. He came on, told his story. And, and it was funny because I was sitting there. I'm like, I know this guy. I know this guy. I've seen him. And I just, I, you know, I'm real, I'm usually pretty good with face. So I finally figured out that he was the owner of free and he's all over my Facebook page. So Ryan, welcome to the show. It is good to have you. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Dion. It's good to connect with you again. And it's good to be with your listeners. Happy to be here. All right. All right. So um, were you able to get, dig the car out this morning and make big through the snow? You know what? I haven't even left the house this morning. I am only on my second <laughs> cup of coffee. I'm moving slow. A beautiful snowy day here. So life is good. That, life is good. That's fantastic. Well, yeah, we definitely appreciate you coming on and taking your time. Um, you and I talked a little bit yesterday. And um, what we're going to kind of do is um, you're kind of a seasoned speaker. You, you've told your story several times. So um, you are going to tell uh, your story. It's going to be the abridged version, guys. Um, and then we're just going to we're going to continue talking, having a conversation, um, and we're going to see where God takes us with that. So, without further ado, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and open up the show. Uh, Ryan, the the uh, show is now yours. Welcome to Raw Recovery with Ryan. All right. Well, thanks again. And you know you. You, you say I'm a, I'm a seasoned speaker and shared my story many times. And it's true. I have shared my story many times. Okay. And also this, uh, every time I share my story, every time I speak in front of people, I get the clammy hands, the mm -hmm. heartbeat goes a little faster <laughs> because there's something. And I think that's good. I used to try to yeah. figure out, I'd read books about how to get that to go away. Yeah. And what I've learned now is, no, no, just, just welcome it. it. It lets you know that you're still alive. It lets you know that mm -hmm. things are still important to you. So just welcome all the butterflies. Welcome the clammy hands. So this yeah. morning I come to you and I welcome all the things happening in my interiors. How's that? Fantastic. I found that I can take those and utilize them for good. Um, I found the more. Absolutely. The more, because I, I, I do this all day long, but I still get yeah. nervous doing it. Absolutely. Sure. It's a good thing. Let's us so, know we're still alive and kicking. That's it. Yeah. And, and so, to recognize um, that, be able to move on. Yeah. You know, here's where I'll start. Before I jump into my story, let me give a little backstory and then Fantastic. I'll come back to this backstory. Okay. Um, but recently, and what I mean by recently is about two years ago, Tammy, my wife and I started a community, a church, a, a spiritual community is what we call it. Okay. And it's called Free Spiritual Community. And uh, our, our mission there is to break the silence of addiction and create space for healing, recovery, and spiritual connection. Thank and you. I'll come back to that because okay. it's, it's certainly part of my story. But I want to start with giving some... Uh, pun intended here, sobering <laughs> statistics that I'm, I'm not sure people are 
aware of. Okay. So I just want to give give your listeners some some statistics that are helpful for me to keep in mind as well. But the disease of addiction now affects more Americans than heart conditions, mm-hmm. diabetes, and cancer. Twenty three and a half million Americans suffer from drug and or alcohol addiction. By the way, I have the resources where all these are, are, are from, if mm-hmm. anyone's interested. But alcohol and substance abuse is higher in Denver than anywhere else in the U.S. Yes, it is. In the past 11 years, overdoses have increased 286% mm-hmm. among 18 to 25-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Sure has. Ha- Colorado drug overdoses are up in almost every county, and they're way above uh, the national average in mm-hmm. every county in Colorado. Every one of them. Arapahoe mm-hmm. County, where I do yeah. our work out of, and where Free is located in Arapahoe okay. County, overdose deaths doubled within mm-hmm. the past fifteen years. Yes. Opioids. This came out of New York Magazine just uh, just a year and a half ago. Opioids will kill fifty two thousand Americans this year, mm-hmm. and up to a half million in the next decade. And that has nothing to do with any other extenuating circumstances, such as the coronavirus. That's These right. are this just is, regular stats. This is regular and, stats. And I'm about yeah. to make it worse because when I was in this field in the '90s, Colorado was in the top ten. For the country. Wow. Wow. We were always top 10, if not in the top five. Okay. Roy Romer was a huge constituent here. Our our rooms are about a quarter full than what they used to be. Really? Yes. And I'm and Ryan, I would be happy to sit down and discuss with you why that happened because I do know. Yeah. What we're moving and, in us. So what you're saying is we're going in the wrong direction. We were going in the wrong direction. I think we're going in the right one now. Okay. Well, that's good to know. I do. Our community is getting big. Well, I think our community is now understanding. I'm just going to give you the short version. Okay. Yeah. So the government gives out money. They used to give out money to the detoxes and everybody for a reason. Success rate. That means how Mm. many people you successfully kept sober. Then the government decided, hey, we'll also give you money if you hire people with bachelor's degrees. So now the government or uh, Colorado decided to go the easier, softer way by hiring the people that had bachelor's degrees and placing them in detoxes, therefore uh, taking the success rate. And there is no success rate. Yeah. Okay. And that's oh, why that's they, that's why Arapahoe house shut down. Okay. Because there wasn't any more success. You mm-hmm. had these 21 year old kids, God bless their souls. Um, getting out of college and trying to help a drunk like me. It's just uh, no way it would, it wouldn't work. Um, So that's the, that's the short version of it. Um, Or I could just say greed. (laughs) People getting that money I've seen his nice house up in Boulder and it's a nice house. Yeah. And it's, it's what I appreciate so much about the 12 step movement is Mm -hmm. it's based in experience, experience, strength, and hope, right? You can't go get a college degree in this stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's so, why I say I think it's coming back. I'm going to say one quick thing, and I'm going to I'm going to yeah, open it back yeah. up to you. Is because our community is now saying we don't need the government's help. We yeah. don't want it because they have rules that we can't abide by. Yeah. Period. Yeah. So. Oh, that makes a lot of sense, Dion. Thanks for sharing that with me. Sure. Um, 
you know, j just two more, just to give a little bit of perspective. Uh, and this is from 2017. The stats statistics are kind of slow coming out on this stuff, mm -hmm. so we have to be patient. But more Coloradans died of a drug overdose in 2017 than any year in history. Wow. And this came from the New York, New York Times just uh, in March of last year. Yeah. The number of deaths from alcohol, drugs, and suicide in 2017 hit the highest level since the collection of federal mortality data started in 1999. Wow. These causes killed more than twice as many as they did in 1999, which I, I just, I find that um, stunning, it is. to be honest with you. And what I know is uh, right now in our culture, uh, communication is at an all-time high. Mm -hmm. Think of all the ways we can communicate, but connection is at an all-time low. Low, yes, it is. And what I've, what I've experienced, what I've learned is we have this great capacity to experience extreme loneliness, mm -hmm. uh, despair, and disconnection. Yes. So with that being kind of the backstory, and I know we want to do some laughing here. I hope we can laugh along the way, but, <laughs> oh, oh, but we do have to be reminded of, of what's happening yeah. uh, around us. We, we can't ignore the facts. And since the pandemic has hit, you, you've probably addressed this with, with your listeners uh, but relapse is up 30%. Yes, it uh, is. Depression is up 30%. Anxiety is up 30%. Just normal everyday usage of alcohol is way up. Alcohol sales are way up. Mm -hmm. We have to be aware of this when we're talking about recovery. I think it's things we have to bear in mind. Yeah, and I so, think we um, need to be more astute too because we're going to get more ads shoved in our face during that time too. That's right, that's right. So be astute, guys. So I'll just jump into my story and feel free to ask any questions or Love clarify along the way. Um, you know, my parents divorced when I was five years old okay. and it was one of those really ugly divorces that stayed ugly for lots and lots of years. Uh, many court custody battles, um, just a lot of family dysfunction and family dynamics um, happening around that. Like I said, for many years, well into my twenties, actually. Um, now, and that being said, I would also tell you that I had a pretty decent childhood. I okay. grew up in a home where, um, in, in a Christian environment, I grew up with, uh, parents who loved me. Uh, you know, I had, I tell people, you know, I had rules for going to bed on time and getting up and yeah. just the basic, basic discipline in life. But what I would say is I always had this sense that I didn't belong. Mm -hmm. It was a sense of. Uh, I always carried a deep shame with me and in my childhood. And I can remember this. It was the feeling of uh, you all took a class and I was sick that day. I mm -hmm. missed that class okay. on how to do the basics of life. Yeah. Um, so what happened to me is then, you know, that, that stayed with me throughout my childhood. And I, I have these viv very vivid memories of that. But when I got into high school, about midway through my high school career, um, I found a sense of belonging in, in, a, in a church youth group. Okay. It was a place where I was told you're a leader. It was the place where I was told you're accepted. It was the place where I was told now go out and let other people know that they're accepted. But also what happened to me in high school is I, I discovered the drink. I took my first drink of alcohol. And I remember when I took a drink of alcohol, all the shame, all the discomfort, this stuff went away. Mm -hmm. And I tell people all the time, there was nothing sexy about my drinking career. Uh, <laughs> it left me alone. 
uh, later in life, and I'll get to that, it left me uh, alone in a dark basement. I mean, that that was my drinking career mm-hmm. by myself. Yeah. Uh, so when I took a first drink, I remember this feeling coming over me. It went down to my fingertips. It went down to my toes. And I remember thinking, this feels so good. Mm-hmm. I can numb out. I didn't have that language of numbing out, but that's exactly yeah. what it was. I could numb out. And why would my Christian community keep this from me? Why are they saying this is bad? <laughs> this makes me feel good. Surely this is what God wants for my life. All the Certainly. shame went away. Yeah. The negativity went away. Um, and I would also say in high school, you know, I, I took on a label of being the good kid. I was okay. the good kid. My brother, who was three years older than me, he was the quote unquote bad kid. He okay. was the he was the, the alcoholic. Reversal. Okay. Yeah, he was he was the the addict alcoholic. He was in uh, in and out of the county jail. Um, I can remember sneaking out of the high school lunchroom, hoping no one would see me and driving a mile up the street to the county jail to see my brother there. And, and I hated him for it. And I hated him for it because in my mind, dude, you're bringing shame into our good Christian family. Why would you do this? You're making us look bad. Yeah. And, uh, but he was still, you know, he was like my best friend, my big brother. I Mm -hmm. wanted to see him. I loved him, even though it was heartbreaking to go to that jail and see him in that orange suit. Um, so fast forward a little bit, he got clean and sober, um, my last year in high school and he was clean and sober for, and I, I don't know, it was somewhere around a year, um, Meanwhile, I left Missouri. I grew up in Missouri. So I left Missouri and went up to Michigan, Okay, uh, a small Bible school, place I'd never been. I didn't visit before I went. I just uh, went and attended the small <laughs> Bible school because I knew I wanted to be a pastor. I wanted to do okay. for others what was done for me. I wanted to give a sense of belonging to others, which, which was done for me in that high school youth group. Okay, And um, I was there for one month. And it was a Saturday morning and I'll never forget the phone call I received. Mom called and she said, Ryan, you need to come home. Your brother, Brandon, has just been killed in a car accident. Oh, man. And man, it brought in this, um, I felt so abandoned by this God that I had trusted in. I had given my life to this God. I was so certain that God was going to act in the way I thought God should act. And when that God didn't act the way I thought God should act, well, then I was pissed off. I was angry. I felt abandoned. How could you leave us like this? I felt so empty. I came home. I came back home to Missouri for several months and I knew how to fill that emptiness, all that feeling of discomfort, all of those feelings Mm -hmm. of shame. I knew how to fill them and I could just take a drink and it would soothe my anger. I was so angry. I mean, I was so angry. Yeah. And and how do you how do you cover up the pain and the wounds? How mm-hmm. do you deal with them? Give me a drink. Yeah. Let me you numb out. Put on that this mask. feels good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And we get very cool. good at putting that mask on too, uh, hiding that. I think men work on it more, but you know. But the problem is, then it yeah. starts to build up. Yeah, and it will come out. Mm-hmm. Um, in the most unhealthy ways. And for me being, uh, you know, it's kind of steeped in the religious community and the Christian community. Yeah. It was really important to yes. wear that mask Certainly. and to make everyone around me think, no, no, I'm doing fine. And yeah. people would tell me, people would say, man, you're so strong. Yeah. And inside I'm thinking, do you know what's happening inside yeah. of me? I'm dying inside. Yeah. And you can't see it. I'm miserable. Yeah. And you can't see it. Yeah. 
So what I did is uh, I stayed home for a little while. My, my life was a wreck and I thought it was just geographical. If I could get okay. away from this place, then, then things will be better. So I came out to this beautiful state of Colorado, uh, a place we had vacationed a couple of times as I was uh-huh. a kid, came out here to go skiing. And I thought, how badass would it be to live in Colorado? <laughs> so came out to Colorado. Um, I, I was so angry with God, but I didn't have other categories, you know? Okay. Um, so I finished, I, I finished my biblical studies degree. Okay. And um, while I was in college, my drinking kept escalating and I couldn't mm-hmm. figure it out. Right. And got a DUI in college, had to call mom just two years mm-hmm. after her first boy died in a car accident uh, because of a relapse. By the way, mm-hmm. I don't know if I said that he relapsed and got behind okay. the wheel of a car. I'm sorry. You know, that, then I had to call mom and say, "Hey, I'm I'm uh, I'm at the uh, sheriff's station. I'm at the police station for DUI." I, I remember the shame that came with that, the fear mm-hmm. over her that came with that, the ways my addiction and my drinking hurt people. Yep. Um, I graduated from uh, college, and I decided I, I went straight into seminary to get my master's of divinity degree. And my drinking, man, in seminary, that's when I really learned how to drink. That's when I really learned how to numb out all the discomfort that was over me. And then from seminary, you know, I was a campus minister for a while at the University of Denver. And then I was appointed into a into a local church. Okay. And I could not figure out this whole time. Why can't I stop drinking? Why can't this is like this is a thing and I'm unique and this is only happening to me. Why can't I stop drinking? And what I know is now um, I kept hoping that religion would save me from that. Okay. And what I know is religion can't save me from this stuff. Only God could do that. Mm-hmm. Well, why would yeah. you think any other way, though? I mean, it, granted, you bit that's what you've been through. I mean, if you're only taught yeah. one way to how to fix your bike, you know, you, you know, when like your chain keeps falling off. So, I'm, mm-hmm. okay, here's how you fix your chain, and then your tire blows. You're not be able to use those same tools. Yeah. Um, so, sure, I'd, if I would have grown up that way, I would have had that same expectation that why is religion not saving me? And I could see where the confusion in that would just be horrible yeah you know because and a lot i don't want to knock uh i certainly don't want to knock christianity i, oh, I, I still no. identify yeah. as christian as christian to this day i don't even want to knock religion religion gave me some good sure. things but what it didn't teach me to do what the church didn't teach me to do of my childhood and young adult years was how to turn things over Okay. Uh, it didn't teach me how to do interior work. Okay. Um, it didn't teach me how to let God in. And um, we talked about surrender, but it didn't teach me what surrender looked like. Okay. Um, All right. That's simply my experience. You know, maybe others, I'm certain others experience it differently. That's been my experience, you know. Sure. But um, so many nights wondering you know, in my twenties, so many nights wondering, how do I get here? How did it get this bad? Yeah. Um, this, this was never supposed to be me. And the truth is I hated myself. I absolutely hated yeah. myself and was filled with shame. And, um, finally things got bad enough. You know, um, I remember waking up early one morning and calling a colleague of mine who is, who's not in recovery, not doesn't battle addiction, but uh, he pointed me to um, a, a guy in this program I'd never heard of called Alcoholics Anonymous. And, um, 
And that guy was really, uh, and I knew, I knew this guy a little bit. I knew some of his story, but he was really adamant that we meet that day. He took me to a meeting that night and, uh, you know, he became my sponsor and I met with him every week for, for a few weeks. Wow. And, um, you know, I stopped drinking and it was amazing what happened. (laughs) My life started to get a little bit better. Yeah. My marriage started to get a little bit better. My relationship started to get a little bit better. I was back in the gym. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was eating healthier because I wasn't drinking like 17,000 calories a day. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I was the fat boy. I was 251 pounds <laughs> and these LBs just started dropping off of me. I was like, this is cool. <laughs> yeah. So what, what Ryan's um, alcoholic mind says is, hey, now you can stop. You know, you can stop what's working for you because- You've got this. Yeah, I feel good now, man. I'm good. So I went to my sponsor. We met up at the Panera Bread. And I, man, I was probably, I don't know, a couple months into this thing. And I said, Tony, man, I got this. I'm good. I don't, I don't think I need what you, I, and he was in the program for, in my mind, it was an eternity. It was like five years sober. (laughs) And I was like, you're still going to meetings. What's, dude, you must have it really You are sick, sick, man. (laughs) You're sick, but look at me. And, um, so I told him I got this. And uh, at the end of our time together, he just kind of looked at me. And uh, that way he looked at me, man, it mm-hmm. just, it was enough to piss me off. Mm-hmm. And I said, what, do you think I'm going to drink again? And he said, well, in my experience. Yep. And I was like, dude, screw your experience. Your experience. You don't know my <laughs> self-discipline. You don't know how strong I am, right? Um that's the one I love. I'm a man. You don't know me. Yeah. Look what we can do. Watch this. When Ryan says, watch this bad thing. Oh, no. Uh, so I'll, I'll, uh, I'll fast forward. Okay. Um, you know, it was nearly eight years ago. Now it was January 7, 2013. Um, I woke up with the same guilt, the shame, the, the regret. Um, and I was completely defeated. Like on this morning, um, I didn't have the language for it, but it's exactly what it was. It was God giving me the gift of desperation. I was Mm -hmm. so desperate. I was so broken. And uh, my wife came down the stairs. I was passed out on the couch again, like I was most nights till early in the morning. And she came down the stairs and she had tears coming down her cheeks. And uh, she said, Ryan, what are we going to do? And it was one of those powerful, poignant moments in my life because, um, you know, she might have said that a thousand other times. Um, but on that morning, I heard the we. What are we going to do? Mm-hmm. And something told me, wow. and I'm not in this alone. I'm not alone in this. Yeah. And, um, and like I said, that's the, the gift of desperation because up to this point, I could not stop drinking. I mean, I tried so many times. I tried so many different methods. You named the method. I tried it. I switched from brown liquor to white liquor. I switched from beer to wine. Mm-hmm. Um, every method I could think of and, and relationships in my life were broken. Yeah. Unhealthy relationships. In fact, that Christmas, um, I went to my sister's house. Uh, we, we went there as a family. And, um, you know, this was right after Christmas Eve. You know, and I, I was a pastor. I had preached at five different services Christmas Eve. And then Christmas, yeah. I'm at my sister's house. And um, she pulls me outside later that night because I'd started to drink and things mm-hmm. started to get progressively worse that night as, as alcoholics do. And she said, um, Ryan, I don't want you coming around anymore. 
And she was like, a, 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 she was like one of my best friends. And she's yeah. telling me she doesn't want me to come around. And her kids were the same age as my kid. We had a daughter at the time, okay. a little daughter. And I, I remember her saying this to me. And again, it just pissed me off. I wanted to say, do you know who I am? Yeah. Do you know who you're talking to here? What do you mean you don't want me around? Yeah. And, and her words were, I don't want my kids to see you like this. And the gut punch that was yeah. to be told, you don't want me around my nieces and my nephew. And if you don't want me around that them, one then, hurts. Yeah. yeah. You probably don't think I'm a very good dad, do you? And so, um, you know, I didn't like myself, learned how to numb out. And what I know is an active addiction when my when I'm active in my addiction, when I was, I have this enormous capacity to hurt people. And it's usually mm-hmm. the ones that I love the most. Mm-hmm. So when I was passed out on the couch, you know, I got sober when Sayla, our oldest daughter, who she's now 10 years old, she was two at the time. And Tammy, my wife would tell me she would always be hitting me, hitting my head on the couch, thinking I was dead. Poppy, mm-hmm. wake up. Poppy, wake up. Um, and what I know is... Uh, this disease, it hurts people. Mm-hmm. I hurt people when I'm active in it. And it always tries to convince me that isolation is a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, it was just a couple of years ago, our Surgeon General said, uh, he was asked, I, I was, I'll never forget where I was sitting when I was watching t- the TV and he was on this program. He was asked, what is the greatest public health crisis of our day? And he said, it's not heart disease. It's not cancer. It's not diabetes. The greatest public health crisis of our day is isolation and social disconnection. Yep. That's what addiction does. Isolation and disconnection. Yep. It's the greatest public health crisis of our day. So what I did, Dion, is, uh, you know, when my wife came down the stairs, um, that later that morning, I went up to my office and um, just upstairs in our house and and I decided to call a counselor, the, the right. same, the marriage counselor that we had done some work with in, okay. in the previous years. And she was sure. great. And I called her. I said, Sue, uh, I think I need to set up an appointment with you because um, this bizarre thing has happened in my life. I can't stop drinking. <laughs> and she said, Ryan, I'm so, and by the way, thank God for good counselors. Yeah. She yep. said, um, I'm so <laughs> glad you reached out. I would love to meet with you, but first you need to, um, you need to get involved in some sort of support group. Yeah. And again, the way she said it pissed me off. <laughs> what do you, support? What do you mean a support group? And she said, um, well, have you ever heard of Alcoholics Anonymous? And I hung up the phone. I, yep. I think I was polite. Thanks, but bye-bye. Yeah. I hung up the phone. I went downstairs and, and Tammy was standing in the kitchen. She said, well, what'd Sue say? And I said, well, she said she doesn't want to see me. And she said, oh, come on. What did she really say? I said, I'm dead serious. She said she doesn't want to see me. And Tammy said, Ryan, I'm going to call her. What'd she say? Yep. <laughs> and I said, she said she doesn't want to see me until I get involved in a support group first, something like AA. And Tammy said, well, you're going to go, aren't you? And uh, that started my journey in a 12-step program where, um, okay, bye-bye. Sorry, that was my that was my second daughter. Let me know she's gonna go play in the snow. Oh, life is good. Thing, man. <laughs> All right, we're all headed over to Ryan's now. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> we're gonna go play. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I started my journey in a twelve step program. I actually got a sponsor that I 
that I was willing to work with and do the hard work, not just stop yeah. drinking. Because if you've gotten sober, if you're in recovery, you know that just stopping drinking, that's only like solving part of your problem. The, the real problem is my selfishness, my fear, my ego, my pride, all that interior stuff, all the trauma I didn't deal with. That's the real problem that I've got to deal with in the 12 steps. Uh, as the Dalai Lama said, it's the most spiritual, spiritual program on the planet. Uh, and it certainly was in my life, you know, I was in a church for many, many years, but it took me coming into a 12 step program to experience, um, to experience God, yeah, to experience a, a spirituality. So I started doing the hard work of dealing with those negative turns in my story, the deepest, darkest turns in my story. Um, you know, I, I, I did, uh, for those of you familiar with the steps, did the steps and I did them in order, which is really important. But I remember doing a, a fifth step with my sponsor and having this fear come over me of if I'm completely honest with him, is he going to turn on me? Because I don't like to be rejected. I yeah. don't like to be turned on. Yeah. And and God can turn on you, you know, like like when my brother Absolutely. was killed in that, con in, that, in that car accident, that was God turning on me in my mind at the time. Yeah. And what if what if Terry turns on me? <laughs> and I sat at his kitchen table for many hours that day and I went over everything. And um, you know what his response was? It was never what I expected of <gasps> and deep gasp and, and jaw dropping. <laughs> it was always um, yeah. a, a subtle shaking of the head. Mm -hmm. And he would say things like, yeah, me too. Mm. Yeah, me too. And for me, this was a mind-blowing experience. And I remember having this thought of, if my sponsor is this way, maybe that's who God is. Maybe God isn't rejecting me. God's not punishing me for the mistakes in my past. But maybe God is like, yeah, me too. Yeah, when your heart was breaking, when you were broken oh, in that moment, that's where I was. Me my too. heart did yeah. too. Wow, that's pretty powerful, man. You know, that's a new, that was a new God for me. I had not experienced that God up till that point. Um, and so when I talk about the spiritual process of working the steps, that's the kind of stuff we're talking about. Being mm -hmm. introduced to, a, to the kind of God in my life that's full of grace and love, unconditional love. It's not dependent on yeah. what I do or don't do. It's not dependent on my past or my present, How no matter how checkered my past or present is. It's not sure. dependent on that stuff. So, you know, um, these miracles started happening along the way when I, when I, when I worked this stuff and, um, somewhere along the way, I don't have a day or time it happened, but, um, I no longer was obsessing over a drink of alcohol. And that was, that was amazing in my life because for mm -hmm. me it was, how do you, how do you go on vacation without booze? How do yeah. you celebrate? How do you, how, how do you, what do you do when your heart breaks a little bit? I mean, how yeah. do you soothe that? How do you get through everyday life without a drink? And I remember thinking, this this will never go away. This is just something I've got to uh, suffer through the rest of my life. And somewhere along the way, I started not thinking about picking up a drink of alcohol. Yeah. That is a miracle in yeah. Ryan's life. And still to this day, almost eight years later, that is mm -hmm. a miracle in my life. And, and then working the rest of the steps, which I still work to this day, but making amends with people that I'd harmed. Yeah. And I, man, when I was active in addiction, <laughs> Like I said, this enormous capacity to hurt people, yeah. people that were close to me. So then I get to make amends to them. 
uh, not just say sorry, but to make things right. Yep. And to see those relationships get restored in my life. Mm-hmm. That's a miracle, man. It that is. is an absolute miracle. And then to use my story, because what I was told in, in, in recovery was don't waste your pain. Yeah. God is going to use your pain. If you let God use your pain, don't waste your pain. Mm-hmm. So use your story to help others. And, um, man, that's the kind of stuff I get to do today that I'm yeah. grateful. And in, in recovery, I can say I'm free. I am spiritually Absolutely. connected um, because I encountered a God who was and is doing for me what I could never, ever do for myself. So oh, man. Now, today I get to be a, a pops for mm-hmm. my four kids. Yep. I get to be, and, and I mean present, I get to be present with them, not just yeah. call myself dad or pops, poppy, whatever. Yeah. Um, but I get to be present with them. I get to be, uh, I get to show up as a husband to my mm-hmm. wife. We get to do things together. You know, our, our marriage was totally breaking. I mean, we were, yeah. we were on the verge more than once. And now we get to do marriage retreats together. That's a mm-hmm. cool thing. We get to do life together. That's, that's a cool thing. I get to show up as a pastor. I get to show up as a friend mm-hmm. and, and walk through life with other people who are suffering, man. That's all gift, 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 gift. Yep. Um, so that's, that's where I am today. I, I don't know if that raises any questions or if I, um, if you want me to hit on some other things, I, I'd be happy to talk about some other things. Certainly. Oh, and I would love to tell you all about free at some point. Well, I wanted to just reiterate a couple of things on your story and then, yeah, let's talk about free because it is part, you know, it's part of what we do here. Um, You know, especially with what you were talking about at the beginning, if you listen to those numbers, where can all these people go for, for safe, a safe spot? I mean, you know, I mean, when you live a world of not fitting in, um, where do you go to fit in? Oh, those AAers over there. That's cool. Yeah. And then we have all these other obstacles in front of us. Um, yeah. You know, and, and these obstacles are stopping us from getting to God. Um, yeah. Yep. And so if we can help clear away some of those things, what I really enjoyed about your story was it was a little bit different in 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 a god aspect for me on how you found god i thought that was really neat um yeah. and how at the end there instead of being like don't you know who i am now you're like i'm exactly who i am and i love it yeah, that's right you know because my greatest fear my greatest fear was that people would see me and that god would see me yeah. as if god doesn't see who we really yeah. are right? yeah yeah <laughs> um, but when I walked into uh, to some 12-step gatherings, it, it was this thought of, man, these people, they're, they're not judging me. Um, they're not, sorry, guys, I had a phone call come in there, but they're, they're not judging me. They're not, um, they're, they're, they're not into shame, you mm-hmm. know, and I was, I, I, I knew something about how shame worked. And um, what I learned was I could be seen and still be loved. Mm-hmm. because my thinking was if you really see me you're not going to love me you're yeah. not going to want me and and again it was this powerful thing well man if if they can do that mm-hmm. maybe god can do that too maybe yeah. god can see all of me and still love yeah um, it's a powerful thing in my life yeah well and to me that just sounds like you giving yourself unconditional love 
that's where it's yeah. got to start. I got to love myself unconditionally. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I don't mind looking in the mirror and say, hey, man, you're, you're a good guy, man. You're doing all right today. You know, yeah. no. well, let's go get him, buddy, or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, where before I was ashamed to look at in the mirror, um, you know, it occurred to me the other day that I think my biggest fear was I was I always had the fear that I was never going to be the man my wife always said that I was going to be. Yeah, that was a huge fear or that my mm -hmm. mom was going to be proud of me. Um, you know, I got a letter from my grandma saying, Dion, please get help. You know, and yeah. I was able to get sober yeah. before she died is her dying wish. So we're, we're, you're right. We're given these things and their gifts. You yeah. know, I'm no longer an absent father. You know, Isn't I, it amazing? Yeah. One day I turned around, I was no longer an absent father. I sat yeah. there and cried for like 10 minutes. I was so yeah. freaking happy. Yeah. And you know, when you've been down in the gutter, when you've been in the deep valley, uh, those little things, um, and, and we're not asking to get pats on the back for them. This isn't, yeah. this isn't to, to do a roundabout one of these. This is, this is like, no, you, you realize what a gift it is to be able to be present with your family. You realize what a gift it is to be able to show up, uh, to, to be able to show up and be fully present in your mind and not be hung over, not, not battle what I do last night, who'd I hurt. Mm -hmm. um, we get to live a different way. And those, all of a sudden, those little things become the big things in life. Yeah. The things, so, the things um, that matter. So yeah. yeah, let's talk, let's talk some free, man. Yeah. So, you know, that's what we wanted to do with, uh, when we started thinking about this concept, it was how could we create that kind of space? Um, and not just for recovering alcoholics, but for all people and yeah. not just for those battling addiction, but how can we create this kind of space where, where shame really isn't welcome, where we do life differently. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, this was back in 2018, Okay. And also in 2018, I did six funerals that year wow. of uh, those who had died of either drugs or alcohol. And all of them but one were under the age of 35, I believe. Wow. So uh, I just had this pressing thing on my heart, you know, mm -hmm. so call it what you want, the universe speaking, spirit moving. And um, it was on April 3rd, my belly button birthday, my actual okay. birthday. 2018 and I said to Tammy that night I said uh, we were laying in bed and I said what would it be like to create space for people who are um, for like addicts and then the people who love them mm -hmm. and then for these who we later termed I didn't have the language for it at the time but spiritual refugees people mm -hmm. who feel like they've been kicked around by religion they've been told yeah. they're not welcome with God what would it be like the next morning I woke up um, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm an ordained United Methodist pastor. Okay. So I reached out to our Bishop and, um, she's like the busiest person on the planet, mm -hmm. but I Facebook messaged her and I said, Hey, I would love to get some of your time, uh, sometime in the, in the future, just to talk about if there's any addiction and recovery stuff happening in our conference. Okay. And she wrote back, I thought this might happen <laughs> sometime in the next six months. Mm -hmm. She wrote back within five minutes. She said, I would love to talk. Can you come to my house tomorrow? Oh. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is moving a little yes, too. Yes, you know? I can. <laughs> <laughs> so I went, right? That's not mm -hmm. where you say, let me think about it. Let me oh, pray no. about it, right? Mm -hmm. So I went and I said, Bishop, I I'm so sorry. I don't have any notes. I had a few notes on my phone, some ideas. 
I said, here's what I'm seeing. Here's the numbers I'm seeing. Here's what I'm personally experiencing. And, uh, and we need to do something. She said, go do it. And I said, do what? She said, go do it. Just go do it. Go, so you know what we did? That was in <laughs> April. In um, June, we started just inviting people into our backyard on Saturday nights at 7 p.m. Okay. And pretty soon our backyard, we live in Highlands Ranch. So houses okay. are like on top of each other. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? They're so close. You don't have room. And our backyard was full. The street was full. And we just planned to do eight, um, a four-week pilot session to see if there was interest. After the four <laughs> weeks, people were like, so what do we do next week? No. And we're like, we didn't think about that. We didn't think about <laughs> next week. You know, we kept going. I think we took a two-month break. Then mm -hmm. we kept going. There's a lot of stories in there, but we got our own space, which is now in Greenwood Village, and who was coming addicts, loved ones of addicts, and spiritual refugees. And it's a beautiful thing to get all those people in the same room together mm -hmm. where we can talk about God, where I, as a, as a Christian minister, I, I'm rooted in the Jesus tradition, but we say, you know what? We're not here to convert you. You truly are welcome here. And I think the stories in our community will say, yeah, they actually do that. You know, lots yeah. of churches say, no, no, we welcome everyone. No, we actually welcome yeah. everyone. And um, I'm going to tell you, somebody like me appreciates that. Yeah, because we've heard that a lot. Yeah, and I appreciate the honesty. Because even, you know, somebody like me, no, I, I mean, I grew up Mormon. I remember my primary colors. I don't remember. I couldn't tell you anything out of the Bible. Yeah. But I get, I have very, I mean, I have anxiety anyway, but if you're going to try and get me to go up on stage and bring Jeebus into my life, I will run out that door <laughs> um, because yeah. of my anxiety. I, do, I don't want that center of attention, but that yeah. doesn't mean that I don't want to go in and get my God shot either. So That's thank right. you for doing that. Um, yeah. And what I've noticed, Dion, is there's a there's a lot of people that uh, they say, you know what, we, we like Jesus, we just don't like the church. Mm -hmm. In other words, the teachings of Jesus are good. In fact, when you read the big book, the teachings of Jesus yeah. are all over the big book. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> uh, so it's not Jesus who screwed things up. It's it's like um, organized religion, the yeah. institution we that screwed did. things up. Yeah, we, we, we have it. that ability, don't we? Yeah. Um, and so I, I try to be mindful of that. And we have all different experiences that are coming through the doors. And, um, and of course, I'm talking a little pre-COVID. Um, oh, sure. Because I had to work out my resentment with God about this because we were a brand new community. We were growing. We went from 12 people in our backyard to 30 to 40. Wow. And then by the time COVID hit, we were getting about 120 to 140 people on a Saturday wow. night. And our space is only 3,000 square feet. So yeah. we were literally wall to wall. It was, there was this high energy. Uh, it was like such a cool thing to be a part of. And then I went full-time February 1st. By March 12th, we were closed down and, you know, the doors closed. And, yep. um, so we're still uh, dealing with that. We do um, everything online now. We just had to close back down this week for Saturday nights. We had reopened. Yeah. But you know what? We have 12-step meetings every single day at free there's there's a 12 step meeting some multiple a day okay um so those are those are still going and saturday nights are still going online we're on facebook and our website which is free spiritual community.com uh we have an app it's called free spiritual community we're also on youtube so Fantastic. and that's live yeah. 7 p.m 
every single Saturday night we have a guest storyteller because what I learned um, in, in my days as a pastor is people don't want to just hear from one person, especially right. in the recovery world, right? <laughs> That's right. So we've made it a point uh-huh. to have a guest storyteller share their story. It can either be mm-hmm. someone in recovery, someone who loves someone in recovery yep. or a spiritual refugee. We try to keep it at those three categories. We try wow, to stay in our so lane. Cool, man. Um, so I would love to have you as a guest at some point. Dion. I'd, 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 be, ha- I'd be happy to come on and tell my, and tell my uh-huh. story. Well, now we've got um, it public. So now you yeah. got to come. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget. I can uh, produce this and cut it out. <laughs> um, <laughs> there you go. And, um, and you're absolutely right because I do this a lot and that's why we changed this show. It was raw recovery with, with Dion special guests. We're like, no, the show is about whoever yeah. the person is speaking. So that's why we changed it because the show yeah. isn't about me. It's about whoever is speaking for us at that time. Community. Yeah. 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 So, you know, um, I think I can end with this. Did you need something, Shiloh? Okay. Bye-bye. My daughter's let me know where she's going to be. It's a snow day, y'all. So thanks uh, you for know, giving me you some know grace. What? Uh, in our house, if you're leaving the house, you're accountable. <laughs> that's so, that's right. Yeah, yeah you got to be accountable. I don't care how old you are. Part of being a dad, too. That, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, no, I appreciate that. Man, good on your kids, yeah. man. <laughs> um, you know, I'll, I'll close with this. It, in our community, we've been... Um, at, free uh, a wagon uh is a central image in our community okay. and uh that came from and i actually got it tattooed is it which side is it there it is there i got it is. it tattooed on my neck last year um so and, and people ask about the wagon one it was with us from day one it's the first thing we got for our backyard when people okay. gather we'd put a wagon in the center i was at the uh, union rescue mission in la which is the largest uh rescue mission in the country and uh I, we were getting a tour. We were walking around with the uh, uh, one of the directors there, and he took me up to the third floor, and they, it's several floors high, and on this floor was their uh, memorabilia, their pictures of memorabilia. One of those, uh, the largest picture in the center was a wagon, mm-hmm. and I said, dude, what's the story of the wagon? And he said, oh, man, you don't know the story of the wagon? And I was <laughs> like, no, nah, but apparently I need to know. He said, this is how this Union Rescue Mission got started. A wagon, and this was back in the late 1800s. Okay. A wagon would go out to the roughest places in LA, and even back then there were some rough places, and they would distribute uh, uh, things like food and clothing and hope to the people who needed it. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the night, they would welcome anyone who wanted to get on the wagon to hop on, and they were headed to a place of safety and recovery. Mm-hmm. And so he's telling me the story. He says, yeah, what, what happens when – you get a bunch of drunks at the end of the night on a wagon. Mm-hmm. And it was like mind blowing to me. I said, dude, they fall off. He's like, yeah. yeah. And I said, is that oh, where that go. comes from? And he says, that's where that comes from. They yep. fall off the wagon. But what was so powerful is he said, this wagon would stop and welcome the ones who fell off mm-hmm. back on. Someone would jump off and help them back on the wagon. And I heard this story and I said, man, when we start a community, that's what I, I want to be that. I want to be the wagon. Yeah. Um, we don't do concept. shame. Yeah. It, it, it's such a cool metaphor, right? We don't do it shame is. together. We don't kick the wounded. We help That's you right. back on. So if you fall off the wagon, 
we stop. As a community, we can stop yeah, we are, and do we love, stop. not judgment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then so, we put our know, hand out. Yeah, that's right. And we help one another back on. And I, so I remind people that we're the wagon every single week. It's a, it's a central image in our community. And uh, as long as I'm there, it's going to remain the central image of who we are and what we do, what we're about. That's right. And now it's going to be really hard for me uh, to see that and not think of that too. Yeah. Which is cool yeah. because that's a great reminder of who we are and what we do. Um, fantastic. Yeah. Well, Ryan, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on today. I've, I've had a lot of fun talking with you. Yeah. Um, thank you. It has been fun. Thank you for this. I think, you know, you know, there again, it's just about, you know, setting up places for people to come and speak their minds in a safe environment without having to worry about, uh, you know, what's going on around us. Um, yeah. Because that then that allows us to be free and speak from the heart. Um, yep. And I think that's where God resides is in our heart. And can um, I say one word about that real quick? Most certainly. People ask all the time, well, why do you call this thing free? Where'd you come up with the name? All the things that set us free, grace, compassion, love, forgiveness. These are the things that are so freely given by God. So we mm -hmm. call this place, this community, these people free. And it's certainly true of my experience. And it's been affirmed by so many others experience. These are the things that set us free and they're so freely given. Exactly. I think that, I think that's a, a great place to uh, put a tie on that is we get to a certain point where we can start giving back and we have to give back what was so freely given to us. It's a pay it forward situation. Um, mm -hmm. Your story will help the next person, that person. And this all started back in 1932 when one guy went and talked to another guy. Um, yep. when, when Bill W. went and talked to, to uh, Dr. Bob. And even before that, and you brought this up, the, the big book is actually based from the Oxford group, which is a Christianity group. So yes, mm -hmm. the big book is just the Bible rewritten so that I can understand it pretty much. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, you know. So it's a great this, way to say the, that. Okay, so I'm off on that, which is good because that means that there's more to learn. <laughs> and I love that. So that's what we're gonna do each day, guys, is, is get up, give it away. Um, and that's how we keep our sobriety. So um, let's hand out let's hand out your website one more time before we uh, wrap up. Yeah, freespiritualcommunity.com. And you can also connect with us on Facebook. We're, we're active there, Instagram. We try to be active on social and our website. So we'd love to connect with you there. Fantastic. Yeah, you guys reach out there and, and um, go check out their group Saturday night, 7 p.m., um, you can do it from the comfort of your own home. So um, thank you everybody for listening today. This has been Raw Recovery um, Tuesday edition. I love you all. Peace out and have a day. <laughs>